you find me. When I'm hiding behind all my disguises, you see me. It takes you to keep me breathing. You are heart, passion, vision. You send me and bring me close, close, so close until when you look at me, you see you. You are heavenly, my present and future destiny. You are father, creator, sustainer, life changer, pride breaker. You are the same yesterday, now, and forever. You are pleasure, worth, reason, present in every season. You are worship, devotion. You are the reason for all my commotion. You are the one that I pray to. You can tell that I'm nothing without you. So awesome that I can even pray to you, about you, to know you, to sense you, to believe you more, to love you more, to obey you more, to give you more of my heart. God, search me, know me, see me, examine me, test me, watch me, investigate me, question me, be pleased with me, be my reality, sustain me, decrease me, decrease me. So there's no me left, only you, only you, only you, our light, our true, our you, our hope, our joy, our strength, our escape, rescue, safe, you are peace, you are belief, you are advance and retreat of what, to what, to whom can I compare you? You are my all things new. You are my place of refuge, my fortress, my rest, my creativity and the strength of your words to me. You are my ability to see, hear, feel, move, live, breathe, be. You are life and death all at the same time. You are friend, believer, savior, redeemer, you are the truth. You transcend old age and youth. You are timeless, priceless, lightness in darkness, greatness, goodness, sinless. And in a mess like my life, you see righteousness. You leave me speechless. You alone are God.
Would everyone stand in preparation for His Word? And after you have, take about ten more seconds and put those hands together. Come on, do it deliberately. I believe... Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now take about five seconds or more. Lift up those hands and raise your voices and thank Him as we enter into the time of His Word. Father, we give You honor and praise and glory because Your fragrance is in this room. Your anointing is upon our lives. And God, we already had high expectations, but You exceed our expectations. Thank you for the miracles that are already taking place and the ones that you're working on right now as we prepare our hearts for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Continue to stand, if you will, in honor of the word. And thank you, choirs. You descend. Thank you for your ministry and worship and praise, this first service and second. And as they descend, I want to say what a joy it is this morning to have as our guest speaker and Minister of the Word, our State Administrative Bishop, Dr. Mike Baker and his wife, Sharon. I have known of the ministry of Dr. Baker for many years. I've known of his family when we lived in South Carolina and, and got to know him even better when he was appointed here to our North Georgia Churches of God on last July at the Church of God General Assembly. He has served the denomination, the Church of God, in various capacities on the local level as a pastor, on the state level as a state administrator, on the international level in executive positions of leadership. Because God has gifted him and Miss Sharon with such talents and abilities, the church has discovered that and have uh, asked and sought his leadership in many areas. It was my joy in March to travel with Dr. Baker upon his invitation. I've told you about that. We've seen some slides. And last Sunday we had a guest from Africa who was one of those missionaries that we met. And I traveled with him to five countries in the continent of Africa in March because of his vision and burden for the ministry of our Bible schools and our churches on the continent of Africa. And uh, we had some close quarters along the way. We traveled on 17 different flights, crossed the Atlantic twice, and uh, we sat in the front of the plane, the back of the plane, the middle of the plane. We even felt like luggage on some of the smaller planes. But, you know, if you're going to know somebody in different contexts and situations, you spend some time with them, you know that. And now, presently, Dr. Baker serves North Georgia Church of God as our administrative bishop, There are over 280 churches of God in North Georgia. There are over 100,000 members over whom he has oversight. Over 1,000 pastors, evangelists, ministers over whom he has oversight. A budget that is wow. So when you pray, remember to pray for the bishop. And while it's a challenge to pastor people on a local level, it's a greater challenge to pastor pastors. But the reason I ask him here today is because of his giftedness in the Word. He is a lover of the Word and a student of the Word who will bless you as you uh, agree together and receive the Word. But we cannot disavow that much of his strength comes from Mrs. Baker. Would you give a God bless you to Miss Sharon as he comes? And come, Dr. Baker, if you will, bless the man of God and give him a South Metro ministry welcome. 
Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Repeat after me. I feel good. For the second crowd, y'all to feel better. You got about that much more sleep than everybody else, didn't you? Well, if you love the Lord and you've enjoyed all this wonderful music, didn't the choir do a great job? I'm telling you, and and the, and, the, and to get a little insipid in Spanish, gracias, oh, muy bien. Well, would you give the Lord one more ovation of praise for His blessings today? Amen. And you may be seated. Doodle it a little bit. I need a little more doodling. <clears throat> it is such a wonderful delight for Sharon and I. I don't know if you had a chance to really see Sharon buried over here around all of us. Stand up, Sharon. I wanted to see you. Amen. Yes. Amen. <laughs> we, are, we are so delighted to be here today and to be with you. And to come and experience what God is doing here at South Metro. I'm thankful for you. You are a part of that 100,000. Really, there's more than 100,000. We just have 100,000 members. If you count up everybody who attends, it'll be a much, much, much larger number. And then, of course, you're, you're a vital part of all that goes on in North Georgia have 81 counties under my charge and about a thousand ministers and of course that's always growing and new new persons are coming into ministry but I'm thankful for you thank you for your faithfulness and for your church and for its growth and for its development and of course I want to thank you your pastor Alan Matura is a choice servant of the Lord do you know how blessed you are? Do you? Yeah. Would you show your appreciation to your pastor and Valerie? <laughs> 26 years here. He and I first got acquainted back in early days. He's a lot older than I am. Back in the early days in South Carolina, we find out that uh, we have so many things in common. We went to high schools close by. And, uh, but I'm just so thankful for his ministry, for his dedication. I think the highest kind of attributes and affirmation pastor that you can have is when you are selected by your peers and you have been selected by your peers in North Georgia to serve he served on our state council which is the highest deliberative body that assists me throughout the year he served as chairman that's the first that's the number one position on that group of 11 men not only that but he currently served and that's a tenured so he's already made a cycle on that but he currently serves on our board of evangelism, a district overseer, and also a member of the board of directors of the Pentecostal Theological Seminary, commitment to higher education and theological training, and, and a great travel partner. Great travel partner. Every morning that I got up, I had to go and work on getting 
cleaned up. I had to try to look the best I could. In Africa, uh, 17 flights, you look pretty bad after a while. And we slept in tents. Water in varying degrees of hardness, softness. So my hair didn't always look the best. And you always looked same. I just don't get it. <laughs> but you are so blessed. And Alan Matura, not only, I may be the bishop of, of North Georgia, but you're my friend. And I love you and I appreciate you so very, very much. And wherever Valerie is, she's so faithful, I think, the choir. But uh, tremendous partnerships and commitment to ministry. And uh, thank you. We, we look forward to great things in the future. I want you to turn to me in your Bibles this morning to the book of First Peter chapter 5. Thanks so much for the music. Great job, right? Let the musicians know. Thank you. First Peter chapter 5. Two verses of Scripture, verses 6 and 7. I believe you're going to put it up on the screen. And before I share my primary text this morning, I want to talk to you for a few moments about facing the future. It's a crazy mixed up world we're living in. If you turn on the news, you hear about trillions of dollars. Regardless of your political persuasion, we got problems everywhere. Every side in the middle, far left, up on top, down in the bottom, we all got problems. We're all trying to figure out how we're going to make it tomorrow. How we're going to face the future. How we're going to deal with anxieties. We even have a new medical term called an anxiety attack. You heard of it? I'm not going to ask you to show a hand if you've had it because we've all had it probably at some point in time. We see an erosion of the core values of America, of Judeo-Christian values. I never dreamed in my lifetime that we would... Be trying to redefine what marriage is. Never dreamed that. Never dreamed that we would see those who are so, so very, very strongly supportive of, of something called abortion. Never dreamed we'd ever be there. The scientists will try to preserve the snail darter, which is a little tiny fish. Stronger than they will, a human life given by God. Then we go to the public school systems, and we probably have educators who are in the room. And my, my background in higher education happens to be education. And, and I can remember back in my days in graduate school, and now I see the implications of secular humanism that have found its way into our public schools. Most people don't know this, but most of the things that you're seeing in education 
were charted as a course about 40, 50 years ago with what was called the Humanist Manifesto I and the Humanist Manifesto II. And their goals and their objectives then were to take God out of school, take God out of the nation, and to take our children and put them in a more socialist environment where we could control the way they think. Do you see what's going on in the world today? And so then our children come along. I have a grandson, five years old, brilliant, best-looking five-year-old in the world. And I'm absolutely objective. And I find myself extremely concerned for Michael. It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, when they're named after you. I'm telling you. We, we, we compare notes about grandfather. Do I have any grandparents in the room? Oh, praise God, I'm in the right club here. But I'm very concerned. Sharon and I talk about this all the time about Michael. And making sure that he understands he knows who God is. And that he knows the Bible. And that he understands all the implications. And so it brings us to where we are today. If we're going to be relevant in this world, every one of us in this room are facing circumstances and facing situations and anxieties and cares that seem to burden us so strongly that we're wondering, how am I going to face the future? So then we come to our primary text this morning, and it's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. And it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. In the first verse, the first word talks about this, this thing of humility. And if you go back to the original language, what you will discover is the word humble here has the same implications of a mother who is in travail with the birth of a child. Bowed down with intense pain in giving the birth to new life. And he says to us that we should present ourselves with that same kind of humility. And we put ourselves spiritually, we put our very life in existence under that mighty hand of God, that He, with a capital H, may exalt you in due time. That's the part that I don't like, is that in due time part. I'm, I'm impatient. I believe fast is better than slow. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord really does work on me in patience. Anybody here get a witness with that? Oh, okay. But then we come to the primary text this morning, and it's in verse 7 that says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. If you go back to the original language, a more, a more definitive. I'm, I'm talking about going back to the original Greek. Here's what it says. Throwing all your anxieties on Him, for He is anxious about you. Can you imagine this concept of being anxious Anxious is this couple sitting over here. I'm going to pick on you guys. Is this couple sitting over here? And he's got his arm around her. And they're both smiling. There's got to be some anxiousness there. That's why I'm just as anxious about this beautiful blonde. 
And that's why you're anxious about your kids. That's why you're anxious about those that you love. That's why you're anxious about the things that are important to you. And so what God is trying to help us understand is that whatever those words, cares, anxieties are, that the Lord is so anxious about you that he says you can take all of those and place them or throw them on him. I like another translation. It's in the Amplified Bible. It puts it this way. Take the whole of your care, all of your worries, all of your anxieties, all your worries and all your concerns and throw them upon him once and for all. Did you hear that? Once and for all. Because he cares about you affectionately and he cares about you watchfully. You ever come to the house of God on a Sunday morning and everybody else seems to be getting a blessing and they sing and rejoice and everything's wonderful and you come in and you got these burdens and you feel stressed and you feel, you feel bent down and you feel discouraged and, de- and, and all, all of those emotions that seem to bear down on you because the word care is marimna in the original language and it means a burdened state of the mind as if your mind is being drawn in different directions. A burdened state of the mind that arises out of fear or concern or anxieties about something. And that's what we do. We come to the house of God and we bring all those with us and everybody else on occasion enjoys the blessings of the Lord. We wonder what's going on with us. And I'll tell you, Scripture says it in Luke chapter 8 and verse 14, says that the word is choked by the cares, pleasures, and riches of this life. Matthew 13 and 22 says that the Word is also choked by the cares of this world. You see, some of us, some of us take our cares with us around everywhere we go. These are my cares. When I go to work, got my cares. Got my cares. Got up this morning. Man, while I'm getting dressed, I turned on television and the world's going to pot. And I got my cares. We carry them with us to work. We put them in the car with us. We sit them right beside of us and they're always right there. I got my cares. I got my cares. All my anxieties. If you're a young person, you're going to, going to college or high school or grad school, you got cares. It's a mother who's trying to figure out how she's going to make it, and she's a single parent. She's got children, and she's wondering, what am I going to do about my kids? And she's still carrying her cares. Or the person who's sick, the person who has been diagnosed with something very serious, maybe life-threatening, I got my cares. Go to the grocery store. We put them in the, put them inside the basket along with all the other groceries. And, but we got our cares. They go with us everywhere. Then we go to the Lord's house. This is the one that always amazes me. We go to the Lord's house. 
this chair, I use this in the first, so that's the reason this chair's up here. We come in the Lord's house, we got our cares, and we come in, we ingress, we come into the sanctuary. Man, everybody's shaking hands, they look at each other, and it's a wood so good to see you this morning. Oh, hallelujah, praise God, glory. Boy, you got that spark when you walked in the door, and, and you come in, and you bring your cares, and you sit them down right beside you. Then the service starts. Would you all stand? And everybody stands, and you begin to sing, begin to praise the Lord. Before you know it, you're moving around, you're fellowshipping. You may come down to an altar and you'll find yourself before the Lord, worshiping the Lord, praying. And you left him over sitting beside the pew. You may go down the hall and you hear the word delivered by your pastor and he shares the, the living word of God to help you make it through the day and make it through the week. And you're still forgetting now those cares are just all over there. Man, I had forgotten all of them. They are gone. Praise God. Hallelujah. You're rejoicing. You feel real good. Then the benediction and you're standing there and it's, oh yeah, well, it's time to go. Well, I better. Got my cares. Got my cares. Got my cares. And you walk out the door and you'll wonder how you're going to face the future. Well, I've come by to tell you this morning that Jesus said, take your care. I'm not going to do this now. Don't worry. Take your cares and once and for all, throw them upon him. Because he cares about you. He cares so much about you that he loves you. That, that blonde lady right there, let me tell you, we are coming up on 40 years. No, it's not 40 years, is it? It's just 21. <laughs> you want to know why God will receive all those cares? Everybody look at, look at your neighbor. Just look them square in the eye. And if it's your, it'll help you guys. I'm picking on you all this morning. But if your husband or your wife, this will help you. Look them square in the eye and say these words. I love you. I love you. Y'all said more than three words. Yeah, you, you can't say just I love you. There's got to be something else. But the reason God cares about you so strongly is that he loves you. And the reason he cares about you is because you're created in his image. And you're created in his image to serve him and to give the reciprocal love back. The more that I share love, the more that I get it back. And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have to get the prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow my goods to feed the poor... 
Then if I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not his own, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. When I became a man or a woman, I put away childish things. For now we seek through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now shall I know, even as also I am known. Oh, hallelujah. And now abide faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is what? The greatest of these is what? That's why you can take every care and you can throw them on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He loves you. Is it all right if I preach down here soon? Boy, I feel the preach today. My first service was just a primer. For those of you who were here from the first service, I said, come back for part two. So if we take those cares and we throw them on the Lord Jesus Christ, then we've got to realize that, you ready? God will Provide. Say it. Everybody say it. God will provide. I don't care what it is. We live in a world today of entitlements. But I'm thankful that God says, if I will simply love him because he loves me and he has forgiven me of my sins, the greatest entitlement in the entire world that we could ever experience in the true essence of who God is, is that kind of love that he has forgiven me of my sins. And once he is forgiving them, those are in the sea of forgetfulness. And then I can take all of my daily life. I'm talking about when you walk out of here today and you go home this afternoon and you're sitting all alone. Remember that the Lord is right there with you and he will provide when you don't know where the next payment's going to come for x god will provide he is faithful because god's economy is not the economy of this world it is not based upon a dollar it is based upon who he is and his power to redeem us forgive us and raise us up to send us out to be all that he's called us to be god will provide he provided for the children of israel in deuteronomy chapter Chapter 2 and 7. It says, For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hands. He knoweth thou walking through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. Can you imagine? They come out of Egypt and they go into that desert. I've been into that desert. Spent a couple of weeks in there one time. And I know what it feels like to be in that desert. And for 40 years God fed them. He fed them manna from heaven. Not only did he feed them, he protected them. He gave them a pillar of a fire to, to lead them and to show them the way. Not only that, but the clothes, the clothes they wore. I told the first service, ladies, you'll love this, that, that, that the clothes never wore out. I told them this, that every pair of fair gommels that they had never, ever wore out. Can you imagine? That pair of fancy shoes that you've got never, ever wearing out. Hallelujah. 
These don't wear fair goggles. They only wear fair goggles in the first service. Did God provide? Because they were His chosen people. And you are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And He says and calls you the royal chosen priesthood. That we are partakers of the love of Christ. That we are partakers of who He is. And God will provide. Not only that, but He provided for Elijah. If you go back over to 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 6, you know the story of how He said, Look, the Lord's going to shut up heaven. And He did for three and a half years. And the Lord said, Elijah, go over to Cherith. So He went over to Cherith, a little old brook. And the Lord protected him over there. And and it says in verse 6, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Can you imagine the Lord being your servant? He brings you the food, lays it before you. He just sends it by a raven. And all he did, he had to cook it. He didn't have to prepare it. All he had to do was go out and partake of a heavenly food. And you come to the house of God on a Sunday morning like this, and the Lord just lays it before you like it's a big banquet feast, and you can partake of His presence. You can partake of His power. And you can partake of the Word of God that finds a lodging place within your heart and within your life so that you can face the future. Not only. Not only in little old brook to Cherith, he sent him over to Zarephath. When the brook started drying up, little widow lady, he says, "Would would you fix me a cake? She said, look, I got a little bit of meal, a little bit of oil. I'm going to pick up these two sticks. I'm going to fix a cake for me and my son, and we're going to die. And he said, will you, will you fix me a cake? Okay. She fixed him a cake. Then we go to verse 16. This is the part I like. Because of her obedience, because she cast all of her cares on the Lord and understood that he was carrying it. Here's what it says. And the barrel of meal was not used up, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by the prophet Elijah. In other words, for the period of three and a half years, this is what the scripture says, that the oil never failed, that the meal was always there. Every time you took out a scoop, the Lord placed one back there miraculously. Every time you used a little bit of oil, it was always Always there. Every time the Lord replenishes and God still provides for us in the same way today. If you'll do it for a little while later, he'll do it for every one of us because we love him because we owe oh, somebody. Give the Lord a hallelujah praise in this house. The Lord provided for the multitude. Fed 5,000. I've been there up in Galilee. It's a beautiful area. And, and, and if you go up there, you'll find that God's creation is just natural. Sharon, you remember whenever we took the group there, and I had Loran Livingston was with me, a pastor. And I said, Loran, go down to the bottom of the deal. And that's about as far from here out to the road. Loran took off, went down there. We're up here. And, you, you know, we could hear him perfectly all the way from out there because it was a natural amphitheater that God had provided. So then they started feeding Disciples, what have we got? We got nothing. Not enough money. We can't feed all these people. And then somebody says, well, we got this little old boy over here, and he's got a few loaves and fishes. What Jesus did is said, bring them. And the Lord started serving. 
And that, that's another whole message. I don't know why the Lord keeps laying out on my heart this morning, but it's about, it's about us serving. And he served us. And he broke and broke and broke. And you know what? The disciples, 12 of them who were doubting. Guess what the scripture says? There were 12 baskets left over. And this is the part that I want you to note. In Matthew chapter 14 and verse 20, it said, And they did all eat and were filled. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and needed so much that you thought you would... Can I use the old South Carolina vernacular? Pop! They ate so much fish and bread till they were about to burst. And yet they had 12 baskets left over. And I believe the Lord gave those 12 baskets to say to all you doubting disciples, remember when I speak, something happens. I've come by to tell you, South Metro, on the other side of this wall, God's going to give you a brand new sanctuary. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that? God didn't bring you this far to say, whoa. God brought you this far to say, how much faith have you really got? And the Lord will honor it and he will provide under every circumstances. Look at Paul and Silas in an old dungeon in Acts chapter 16 and 25. Whenever they're in the deepest dungeon in the inner prison. I've been inside one of those. Let me tell you, it's way down deep. It's cold. There's no light. I went in one of those over in Israel and crawled down in there. And I'm thinking, Lord, all I want to do is find a way out of here. And what do we find? With Paul and Silas, one of them looked at, let's sing. Let's have church. And they started. Started singing, and here's what the scripture says in verse 25. It said, And the prisoners heard them. And when the prisoners heard them, God got into the arrangements, shook the jail, opened the doors, and God moved an old jailer from suicide to salvation that very night. God will provide. I'm, I'm, I don't know why. I'm, 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 the Lord's bringing some new things from this early, from what I had in early service. You knew my dad. My dad was a church of God pastor. He won't go down in the history books. But if you're looking for a guy to put on a poster that said, this is what a church of God pastor did and looked like, my daddy would have been on that poster. I mean, he was, he was to the bone a pastor. Taught me, taught me to love the Word of God. Hide it in my heart. Now remember, I was about... I was in seventh grade, whatever that is, what was that, 12, 13, something like that. My dad moved to Newberry, South Carolina. Be the pastor. We loaded up a truck, rolled into Newberry, South Carolina. It was on a Wednesday afternoon. And the, and the throngs of people came out to greet us. Well, wait a minute, let me back up. Nobody came out to meet us. Not a living soul. Not a living soul. Dad went downtown, found a guy standing on the corner. This is the gospel. Went down on the corner and said, would you like to make a few bucks? He said, sure. My dad paid the guy. He went back and helped us unload the truck. We unloaded the truck. I'm tired. Been traveling all day. Dad said, it's Wednesday night. We've got to go to church. Daddy, you know, I'm a kid. I'm tired. He said, we're going to church. Yes, sir. Boy, I put on my duds. We went to church that night. 
We got there about 6.30 and not a living soul was there at 6.30. At 6.45 there was not a living soul. At 6.50 was not a living soul. At 6.55 the doors opened and the throngs suddenly came in. All four of them. A woman, an aunt, and two small children. We greeted everybody. There was a middle aisle with two big sections. The church had seat about three, four hundred. They all came in and sat over on the immediate right. I sat right there on that corner by myself. And Dad went to the pulpit. Dad never even looked over at the people, those four people who were sitting over here. He said, let us all stand. And we went into church. We started singing. We started worshiping the Lord. Dad looked up, looked over at me and said, Mike, pass out the songbooks. Don't take, don't take long to pass out four songbooks. And two of them couldn't even read. I passed out the songbooks. We sang, we sang, we sang, we sang. And Dad said, now it's time for us to have the pastoral prayer. And he prayed. And then he said, now it's time for us to receive the offering. Mike, would you please come? I came up and got the offering plate. And it didn't take long to take up the offering for four people. I took up the offering, put it there. And Dad said, time for special music. I don't know, what, I don't know why we call it special music. It's just more. <laughs> called it special music. And he said, Mike, would you please come? And I came up to the piano, and Mother and Dad died, and we sang. We sang, and we sang. Then whenever I finished, I went and sat down, and I'm thinking, boy, I wish this was going to get shorter, but it's getting longer. And then I sat down, and Dad said, now if you'll turn in your Bibles with me. My dad preached for about 30 or 40 minutes like his coattail was on fire, and he taught me a great lesson that night. Because there wasn't but four people in the room. He never even looked. He looked out at the audience of the empty pews. But God began to do the work, and the Lord started providing. And I watched as that church started to grow, and I watched as the Lord began to bring the people from every corner of that town. Some of them who couldn't get there, we went and got them. I, I remember there was an old, you won't believe this, it was an old Packard limousine that somebody had thrown over on the side. My dad saw it, looked pretty nice, bought the thing for $75. They said, it won't run. My dad was gifted. Not I, I, I didn't get this gift either. But my dad was gifted in, in mechanical, and he took that thing apart and found out it needed a water pump. Drove to, uh, drove to Columbia, South Carolina, and had one custom made. It cost more to get the water pump than it did to buy the, buy the limo. He put that water pump on that thing. That thing run great. And every Sunday morning, about 7.30, we started going and picking up kids and picking up people who didn't know how to find the Lord, didn't know each other. We'd feed them. We loved on them. We brought them to church. And finally, I got my driver's license. And, then, and, 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 and I started going one day, one way, and Dad would take that great big old limo, and he'd drive across town, and people didn't know where Pastor Baker was. There he is. There he comes in that big old Packard limousine. If I had it today, it'd be worth a mint. But then it was worth it wasn't even worth aluminum then. <laughs> I remember on a Sunday morning, my dad, prior to that, had gotten up and told everybody, this was something we used to do, said, this year at Christmas time, we're going to give every person who is in attendance a bag of fruit. Anybody remember when we used to do that? We'd give a bag of fruit. You know, two oranges, two apples, bananas, and candy, and all that kind of stuff. And every... Us kids, we loved it. I mean, that was a big deal. Go get a bag of fruit. And my dad said, we're going to give everybody a bag of fruit. And I remember going to dad and said, dad, how are we going to pay for it? I said, I don't know, but God will provide. We brought those people into church, and I was the last one to arrive on that Sunday morning, that little Pontiac Tempest. I pulled up and let everybody out. They all went in, and I'm standing out on the front steps by myself, and this big, big new car, black, pulled up in front of the church. Now, hold on. Pulled up in front of the church. The window went down. 
and a very distinguished gentleman in a dark suit. I mean, he looked like a lawyer. He looked like a, a man of means. And he looked over at me and he pointed at me and smiled. And I walked up to the window and he didn't ask me my name. This is all that he said. Son, your dad doesn't know me and nobody else around here knows me. He says, I'm going to give you something in this envelope. Said, you take it to your father and he'll know what it's for. I'm a young guy. I don't know nothing. I said, yes, sir. He pulled off and drove off. Now, just stay with me. I took that envelope, walked down the aisle. Dad was in the pulpit. I walked up and I said, Dad, God pulled up out front, said, give this to you. Said, you know what it was for. My dad was standing there. While he's standing in the pulpit, he opened it up, looked in it, and he said, thank you, Jesus. Stuck it, put it in his pocket, and just went right on with the service. Whenever I went to him afterwards, I said, Dad, what in the world was that? He said, you know that fruit that I said we were going to give to everybody? Said, to the penny was in that envelope. Let me tell you. When you cast your cares on the Lord and you stay in tune with Him, God will even dispatch, I believe, angels from heaven and you'll entertain them unawares. Sometimes they'll drive up into a black car and they'll look at you and say, You don't know me, but here's all that you need. Take it and God will provide. Give the Lord an ovation. I can't, I can't let this go. I can't let this go. My time is just about to go, but I can't let this go. This beautiful lady right here. Sharon, what year was it? In 2002. She had a doctor's appointment. I went with her to the doctor. No. Usually, she goes in the back. I'm sitting out there reading the magazine. She's in there a few minutes, comes out, and we go and have lunch. She goes back, and she doesn't come out. One hour, two hours, two and a half hours, and the door opened, and she came walking through the door. She didn't look like she did when she went in there. Because when she was back there, the doctor said, we need to do a core biopsy and they did a core biopsy while she was back there what we discovered is that she had breast cancer carcinoma in situ ductal carcinoma in situ now I'm going to tell you I've spent my whole life in the church when I misbehave as a kid, my dad made me sit on the roster and make me behave. I've been, I've been in church all my life. But I'm going to tell you, when we got that diagnosis a few days later, that she had ductal carcinoma in situ, it rocked my world. So we're trying to figure out what to do. And it was around Thanksgiving time, just prior to Thanksgiving. 
heading into Christmas. And she says, there are two things I want to do before I have to have this surgery. And she said, number one, I want to be prayed for, according to the scripture, at church, anointed with oil. And I thought, okay, that's no problem. We can, we can get that done. And then she said, I want to be baptized in water again. So I, re- I remember on that Sunday morning, we went to the North Cleveland Church of God. I, I, somebody needs to hear what I'm telling you this morning. I don't know who you are, but somebody needs to hear what I'm telling you this morning. I, I didn't preach this in the first service. And we're standing back in the audience that Sunday. I wasn't preaching. I was just there. And they called for prayer. She took off down the aisle. I followed her. I followed her all the way down the front. Now, everything went through my mind. Everybody thinks you're backslid. Everybody thinks you've got some real problem in your life. They'll think all about you while you're walking down the aisle to get down front and be prayed for. Well, what's the problem? And see, all that stuff races through your mind. And I walked with her all the way down to the front. And she, the pastor knew. And the others didn't know. They anointed with oil. And I'm standing behind her. She's up here and I'm standing back here. And I'm going to tell you, it was one of those times that I couldn't find a word to pray. I couldn't find any words to say. I could not find anything. This goes along with what you've been preaching about past month. And I stood there. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord hit me. And the Holy Spirit began to witness through me. It was not one of those times for a witness to everybody else. It was not one of those times to edify anybody of the body. It was that time when the Spirit of the Lord knew that I didn't have the words to say. I didn't know what to say. And what the Scripture says, that on occasion, the Spirit of the Lord will move on you. And the Spirit of God will intercede on your behalf to the Heavenly Father. And will tell Him exactly what needs to be said on your behalf. And the Holy Spirit began to witness through me. I stood there very calmly. And when the Spirit had left me, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and gave me this message and said, look, this is a journey that you and that she has to walk down. But please understand that I'm in control. I will provide and she will be all right. When I turned around and walked back to my seat, I was an entirely different person. And I knew that God will provide. When I got back, we started talking about what we were going to do to have baptismal service. I wasn't pastoring at the time. I didn't have a baptismal pool. I thought about taking her out to the lake and dipping her in the old Koei River out there. But it was frigid weather at that time. I thought about, well, the bathtub's not deep enough. We believe in immersion. And I don't want to, I don't want to give her a little bit of sprinkling. And I started thinking, what am I going to do? We were going over to her family over in North Carolina and I called the pastor of that church and I said can I borrow your baptismal pool at your church now I'd pastored that church previously I still got all a little bit against him because he charged me $200 to do this <laughs> serious and he said sure no problem he said but I won't be there I said fine give me the keys I know how to turn on the lights 
I went over there that night and we started telling our family over there, Lord, please, Lord, help me. Uh, I started telling our family. And, and that night we went over there. My mother went and got on the organ, started playing. And instead of me baptizing her, I baptized 11 of our family that night. He called me just before we got there for baptismal service. And he said, oh, yeah, by the way, the heater on the baptismal pool is not working. And so it's just a natural water. And it was 22 degrees outside. Now, y'all understand that the baptizees are in and out. But the baptizer has to stay in the whole time. Now, watch this. They started uh, uh, Sharon's nephew, Brian. Big, tall, muscular guy standing there, and he said, the water's cold. And my daughter looked at him and said, Brian, you go get in that water right now. He crawled out in that water. I baptized him. He came out. I want to tell you, I baptized 11 that night, and not once I still have absolutely no memory, memory that it was cold. For me, it just felt warm the whole time because God was in the troubling of the water. He sends down His holy angels. But that's not the... That's not the whole story, because then she went and had a radical mastectomy. Then she went into all kind of other surgeries for reconstruction. She was put to sleep five different times. I made myself a, a, a student. I went and studied it. I could tell you all the medical terms. That's my nature. And then I went to the, went to the doctor after we'd gone through the whole deal. And I sat down there with her doctor, and I asked him about this, and I asked him about margins, and I asked him about the, all the details. And I went through all of this, and I said, okay, now what comes next? Doc, and he looked at me and said, nothing. I said, wait a minute, what do you mean? I'm just here to tell you she is cancer free. Go on and live your life. been nine years ago and I drag her all over the world and the Lord preserved her was in a journey it sure was and I can remember sitting in that hospital that night that day that morning and the big C word and but I remember and I go back with the spirit of the Lord witness and said look this is a journey some of you going to have a journey but the Lord comes along and says I will provide oh Lord I'm going to give you two points in five minutes, and I'm going to be faithful. Maybe. The Lord will provide. Not only will the Lord provide, but the Lord will protect. Psalm 63, verse 7, says that we can dwell under the shadow of His wings. Literally. Like a hen does her chicks. That the blast of life and the heat comes against us, we can dwell under the shadow of His wings. And then I go to, I did this in the first service. I'm going to do this. Come here. Come here. You're my guinea pig. Yeah. I want you to quote the New Testament here real quick for us. No. Psalms 34 and 7 says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear Him. Now, when it says encampeth, in the Hebrew says that they dig a deep trench. 
It's not like the angel of the Lord comes and just hangs around. Because you see, if you go back now to my text, the verse after my text, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and you go to verse 8, it says to us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion who is going to attempt to come and devour you. And so... The enemy will come against you when all those anxieties and things that are taking you away from his love and of his voice and of his provision. And he attempts to attack you and he'll try to do it from behind. Take a step forward. He'll try and grab you from behind. If he can't get you from behind, he'll do it on the left or he'll do it on the right. Or if he can't do do that, the enemy will do an all-out frontal assault and he'll come at us straight on right between the eyes. But the... Angels of the Lord, this is what the scripture says, that they encamp round about. I believe that the Lord dispatches the angels of heaven to come and to dwell around us. And the old enemy comes up and he'll come over on to one side. But the spirit of the Lord that you've been preaching about, stand, don't, don't move, stands right there with the sword of the spirit and says, this is my beloved. This is my anointed. Get out of here. And he'll come at you from the back. He'll come at you from the, well, from the right. But, but even if he comes out on an all frontal assault, the spirit of the Lord is there by the power of his Holy Spirit. And says the Spirit of the Lord is here and He will provide. How many of you need the angel of the Lord being camera around about you this morning? If you do, give the Lord praise for what He will provide and for His protection. But the kind of protection, what holds us back from protection is fear. Fear. I don't know about the future. Don't know if we'll be able to do that, but we got to have a step of faith. How many of you drove here this morning? How many of you drove here? Everybody. Anybody here walk? Nobody walked. I drove here this morning. I got a truck sitting out there. Seats go up and down. It's got the heaters. It's got CD, DVD, YPE, everything else you can think on that truck. I like the truck. This morning when I got up, I didn't go and raise the hood. And look up under there and say, well, you know, before I go, I better check this little rectangle box up under there. It's called a battery. Did anybody here check your battery before you came? Well, maybe somebody did. I didn't. Got two posts, positive and a negative. Mm, that's another whole message. I just got in, stuck the key in, turned it, cranked up, and and here I am. We'll all go back out there and get in those vehicles and turn the key. And you will go right on and you'll never even think about that. Battery. Well, you may now. Because you see, if that battery is dead or there is no battery, all I've got sitting out there is a bag of bolts. It won't do anything. My seats won't go up and down. My DVD won't work. My CD won't work. My YPE won't work. It is absolutely useless. I can't even push it out of the parking lot because it's so heavy. But I've got a battery, and I have put more faith in that battery. And I've come by to tell you, sometimes we put more faith in those things than we do in the God we serve. But God has given you the power of God's Holy Spirit. That's the battery within 
your life that you put your total faith and you lay aside all those fears that will take you away from what God wants to do. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And I go to Isaiah 43 and verse 1 and it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. And when thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. And the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame be kindled upon thee. Why? Because you're a child of God. Then I go to Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. And it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And then when it says, As it is written, it's alluding to Isaiah 52 and 7 that says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. Isn't it interesting? He keeps talking about our feet and how beautiful they are. Feet are not beautiful, except Sharon's. Feet are not beautiful. Five little flanges. He's not talking about the physical. When he says beautiful, the word is hereos. And it means that which is at its absolute best. And when he uses the word feet, the word is paus. In other words, when you stay in perpetual motion. Isn't that interesting? He is saying to us that in our walk of life, when we cast our cares on him, the Lord says, lay aside your fears. And if you just stay steady in the boat, if you just keep moving forward, if you just keep believing in the word of God, if you just keep moving, let me borrow your Bible. He says in Psalms 119. And 105, that the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, in the darkest of the night, the word of God will illuminate the darkness of my life. But yet in the brightness of the sun, when things seem to be going so wonderful, that the word will still illuminate me even greater to the blessings of God and all of his rejoicing in heaven. Oh, somebody better give the Lord praise before I bust. And then finally, God will preserve. Say that. God will preserve. The God I serve is a great big God. Is He bigger than your anxieties? Is He bigger than your debts? Is He bigger than all the stuff you're going through? Absolutely. You go to Isaiah chapter 40 and go down to verse 12. It gives a beautiful description of the magnitude of God. It says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hands? In other words, take all the seas of the ocean and you can put them in the palms of the hands. Who hath measured the waters in the palms of his, palms of his hand and meted out heavens with his fans? Take about seven inches, nine inches, and God measures that the entire universe with the span of his hand. Who hath measured the waters in the palm of his hand, meted out the heavens with a span, or comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains and scales in the hills and the balance? Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord to be in his counsel, hath taught him, with whom took he counsel, and who instructed him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding? Behold the nations. Tell all the politicians, listen to this, behold the nations are as a drop of a bucket. And they are counted as the small dust of the balance. They don't even show up. 
And he taketh up the owls as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor is beast sufficient for a, for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and are counted to him less than nothing in vanity. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? Then fast forwarded down to verse 28 and it says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no surging of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to those who have no might. He increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But listen, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall Mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's the God I serve. We measure this creation of God by distance. We measure it by light years. Light travels at 186,282 miles per second. I wanted to know how much does that mean it travels in one year? That means it travels miles in one year. And the closest star is four and a third light years away. If a sheet of paper represents 93 million miles, that means a stack of paper just to get to that near star would have to be 71 feet high. And then if you wanted to measure this Milky Way galaxy, by the way, there's only about 100 billion of them. And God's just given us this one for us. The stack of paper would be 310 miles high. And then if you want this known universe, it'd be a stack of paper 31 million miles high. Is your God you're here worshiping today bigger than your cares? Let me hear you one more time. Is he bigger than your cares? If he is, stand to your feet with me right now. Tell you what I want you to do. Find somebody and join hands. We don't have time and space down here for everybody, but we're going to throw all of our cares on the Lord this morning. We're going to get rid of all of them. Are you ready to get rid of them? Are you really? You ready to get rid of your cares? All those anxieties and all those worries. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take those hands that are joined together and we're going to raise them up in just a moment to the Lord. Just a moment. And when we do, this is a conversation between you and God. And you tell the Lord, I am taking authority in your word. And you said to throw them on you. And this morning, I'm going to throw them on you. And I am not going to take them out of this sanctuary. Now, are you ready? Lift your hands toward heaven and begin to tell the Lord right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, every worry, every concern, every anxiety, we know that you provide, we know that you protect, we know that you preserve. We now present it unto you and realize, God, that you are in absolute control and we are here to give you the praise and give you the honor and give you the glory. Lord, we throw them on you once and for all. God, we will not take them outside of this sanctuary. We will not take them home with us. We will not live with those. We will place them upon you, all the past, all the present, and all the future worries, Concerns. We lay them on you today. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, 
and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And everybody look at me. It's just like getting saved. It's really easy. Okay? You just simply ask the Lord to forgive you, and He forgives you. But when He does that, what do you say next? Say, thank you, Lord. And here's what comes next is praise. You got to praise the Lord. I told him about Psalms 146, 47, 48, 49, and Psalms 150 talks about praising the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the name of the Lord. But the Lord's given me another passage to close with this morning in this second service, and that's found in Psalms 103. Because when the Lord provides and the Lord protects and He preserves, and we throne them all on Him, then we say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all of thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. If you got praise in your heart, would you lift up the praise of glory to the name of the Lord and bless Him? Sing for us. Oh, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is Pastor, it's as if we are in the pool of Bethesda and that the Lord has dispatched the angels to trouble the waters. And the Spirit of the Lord just really impresses me. There may not be a living soul, but if you are facing a physical challenge beyond anything you ever dreamed of, you may be experiencing this big C word, or there may be something else. The Lord simply tells me to tell you, if you'll take a step of faith and come for what is called the the Jehovah Shammah, representing the presence of God, that He will be the Jehovah Jireh, and He will be the Jehovah Rapha who healeth. If you need that healing touch this morning, step out as they sing it one more time and come stand right here very quickly, very quickly. Sing, sing. Oh, I'm God is greater. Oh, I'm God is stronger. God, you are everybody that's out there in a spirit of prayer 
I just want you to simply, I'm not asking you to stick it way up or hold it along. I want you to just stick your hand in this direction. And I want you to hold it there as if you're holding up the hands of the prophet of God. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not asking you to do something out of habit. I'm asking you to do something that's spiritually significant this moment. I want you to hold it there for just a little bit. Now, I'm going to pray for these folks very quickly. But God's going to do some miraculous things in this altar this morning. I had absolutely no intention of doing this, but the Spirit of the Lord is moving and has spoken to my heart. Now, are you ready? For those of you who are standing here, you lift your hands up as if you're taking hold of the hand of God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Sing for me. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I